Kunasti, how are ye? Welcome to the Candle Tales podcast. Each week we'll tell an Irish myth with music and have a chat about it in the next episode. My name is Sirica and I'm here with my brother Aaron. And this week we're listening to Tun Cliana, Cliana's Wave, told by Aaron. This podcast is brought to you thanks to our Patreon supporters. Links and descriptions are below. And to hear about new gigs, courses or the latest news, go to candlelittales.ie or follow us on any social media at Candlelittales. But for now, hey Aaron, tell us a story. She was beautiful. She was eternal. And she was known for her ethereal, luscious, long flowing fair hair. And she had three birds that followed her everywhere. Their magic song swept such beauty into the landscape that anyone who heard them was cured of any sickness or wound that was on them. And anyone with a weariness upon them fell into a deep, resting sleep from hearing their song. So powerful was the magic of that music. They followed her as she went all across her land, the land surrounded by sea, with so many islands scattered all around it. This was where she roamed, and she sang and played for as many days as she had known. But even in the beauty of the other world, she looked and longed for something more. So she left once, one morning early and walked to the shore. She saw her curragh made of copper and whispered a promise onto the air, and the three birds supported it with song. Its magic flew through the space in between her and the boat and landed on it, pushing it out to float and leave the coast. She did not know what she had wished for, but she knew the boat would return to her. Not fully understanding, but not fully wanting to wonder or worry, she left and walked back across the land filled with promise. Tirchangara, its name, one of the many islands of the other world. Cleana of the fair hair, her name. She walked around the glistening lake, Lukluukra, and on towards the hall of the king of the land, Mananon Maclear, where her father, the chief druid Gibbon, would be waiting for her also. Although hugely loved and adored by every one of her people, she had never felt that frenzied feeling of love and longing, of passion and true pleasure that came upon her for any one of her people. Though many would try to get her attention, many hero would show off and attempt to claim her affection with her father gave on watching and waiting for any sign of a weakness of her heart. A little too often she thought they had tried to woo her with the feet of nine willow branches. She chuckled at how silly they all looked, on one leg with one arm behind their back, casting the rods up to the rafters and then catching them with one hand on return. But no matter the feet, or supposed skill, or any such show of daring, 
they had never left her heart jumping towards true love's thrill. Nor would they, she thought, idly. Not till her copper curragh came back. She wondered at the thought. It was the time of the Fianna, and he was well known amongst them, the son of the Ulster king. Well, he was brave and strong, cunning and quick, like any of the able-bodied men and women in the Fianna. But he was particularly beautiful, a bit too much so, it had to be said, and so much so that it caused some commotion and often some consternation amongst the men of the Fianna, because all of the Ban Fianna fancied him, as well as the rest of the women of Ireland at the time. And whether they had a husband or a lover or not, they left a longing, lingering eye fall upon his curling locks whenever he was near. Kivon of the Curling Locks was his name, and after too much murmur of discord, he felt Ireland was not a place he could feel secure or protected in. So he left Ulster and roamed on south all the way down past many a well-known she-mound and dwelling, yet he stayed no time by those, knowing not to tinker with the good people under hill. He continued following his feet, all the same, all along the road, until he came to the sea, past a place now known as Rosk Harbury. He came to the strand of the Cairn, once known as the strand of the strong man, between Dunsabrook and the sea, so it said. And there, floating in the water, he spied a copper curragh floating in bronze sunshine, glistening on the water, inviting him in. And he, not wanting to refuse an invitation for adventure, simply stepped on inside, letting the blinding sunlight fill his eyes, and getting the wind behind him, he put oar to wave and watched the coast drift away. As the sun shone on the water, he waited with wonder as light danced and splashed all around him, till the clouds gathered and a mist descended. The waves began to rock and then roar, and soon Kivon was brought high towards the darkening sky on top of a wall of water that swelled as high as a mountain and he fell right down in between dips and waves that washed him wet. Then on top of this cliff of water he saw a man riding a horse across the waves as though he were riding across a field of grass. He galloped towards him, and for the length of nine waves he disappeared till on the tenth he was rising again and on down the sheer face towards Kivon he galloped leaping over froth with grace he came up next to his copper curragh looking down on him from up upon the magnificent horse the colour of the dark foam on his waves of the coat and he spoke Kivon of the curling blocks I'll pull your copper curragh to safety if you don't mind spending a night with the she and offer me your service. Kivon didn't really have much choice 
and as he nodded, he watched Mananon McLear as he knew he must be on top of his great horse, Anver, pull his boat across the waves. Water washed his memory blank, and when he awoke, he saw he was on the shore of a mystical island. While Cleanna watched with wonder as her copper curragh was brought back to shore with this stranger on board, Kivon was welcomed then by all of the greeting faces, and they took him to the great hall where all of the tall, pale-faced people from the other world greeted him with Cleanna lost in their midst, watching with eager excitement. A great feast was had in celebration of this strange guest from Ireland. Men and women displayed feats in front of him, and then, as if to test or possibly disgrace him, Cleanna thought, they asked him to do the same feat of throwing nine willow rods on top of each other with one hand tied behind the back on one leg and then to catch them all in one hand. Now Cleanna watched with something a little more filling her thoughts, then wonder. Suddenly struck by some force she did not know, she watched this stranger take the nine rods with such grace it sent a ripple along her spine. He stood on one leg and with one hand he displayed the feet as if he had done nothing else the whole rest of his life. Cleana was finally impressed. Her eyes shone brightly and warmly at Kivon of the curling locks for all of his skill and grace and just the certain way that he had about him since landing in. Kivon turned and looked right at her and it felt as if they were all alone in the hall and a bolt of lightning was struck right through her and everyone else seemed to disappear from view. She felt a tight grasp, like a choke on her neck. Her heart seemed to stop and her breath too as she suddenly realized the longing and lust and love that filled her heart now was only for this man of Ireland. He walked towards her with an easy grace, a confidence she could not place. As the sun set low over Tirthangara, he said to her, Right, you're going to have to come away home with me, back to Ireland, for parting from it's like parting a limb or a leg, but I can't leave you now that I found you too. His invitation was hard enough to refuse in fairness. So, Cleana left her birds behind her, and she jumped upon the curragh made of copper and watched. Kivon of the curling locks row away from Tirthangara, the land of promise, and all the way back to Ireland's shore they went. When they landed, Kivon was delirious with excitement. Never had this happened, one of the fae, the two a day, one of the she, to come and live with a mortal man. He went out and hunted fresh game, cooked by the fire. They slept that night on the shore with the twinkling stars above them like a blanket. 
Each day and each night was filled with such passion and delight. Kleina could hardly believe she was not in the other world at all. Though none of the immortals leave that world for this, not since the time before the decision was made to leave, leaving mortals the land of Erin. But with Kivon, she felt glee like she had never felt before. And he was so graceful and cunning, clever and quick and kind. She had everything she ever wanted. And for a time, they had only bliss in each other's arms. But that time came to a close as all good things must come to an end. And one day Kivon went off to hunt and find game. But by sunset he had not returned and something in the way the stars looked that night set Kleena's heart askew. She knew there was something wrong and so she followed her feet and they walked her on down along the road and shortly she came to the coast. Not knowing where Kivon was but desperately hoping to find him but instead hearing some strange beautiful sound. She rested a while by the shore, near Glandor. Music drifted over the water towards her, played by the harper of Mananon MacLear, and it carried her off to a sleep. Some say that Tuatha Danann did not want Cleana to stay in Ireland with a mortal man. Some say it was out of jealousy that Mananon interfered and tried to steal her away from Kivon of the Curling Locks. And some say it was because her three magical birds could not sing without her being present. And so everyone on Tirthangara was sick and sad for the want of need of hearing their song. Either way, she fell into a deep slumber. And the king of the sea, the god of the ocean, Mananon, washed nine waves towards her. These waves crashed on the coach, reaching their foamy arms out towards her, growing higher and higher and reaching farther and farther inland each time. Their noise growing louder and louder until the ninth great wave crashed upon her and carried her away from Glandor Bay. And Cleana of the fair hair drowned beneath the bronze light of the setting sun in the deep depths of the sea. Liquid light reflected off the surface of the water that following morning and it was Kivon's turn to search for her. But watching the water glisten, he knew he would never find her, though he never stopped searching, they say. Her name still lasts, in Glandor, in Cork it lasts at least, and still to this day the ninth wave of any great storm holds her name. Ton Cleana, the greatest and fiercest wave will sound and surround the landscape. Everyone will know her name is resonating across the land. But every one of those eternal beings lives on in some sort of way, 
though the body might have drowned, an essence of her being was still found in Ireland, still to this day. She may have lingered in Dunclena, beneath the hill, they say, though she may become bitter, and she may have become the harbinger of death for the old family, warning and wreaking death or destruction on those who are not careful to pray and give her proper respect. She's the patron goddess of Kirkig, and her essence can still be found to this day by those who kiss a certain stone, much like the first man who called upon her and asked the queen of the banshee for a bit of help. He was having trouble, they say, building a certain castle in a certain place, but the English didn't want to let him, and so... He asked for her help and she appeared to him with the beautiful birds singing and flying around her. And there with long, luscious, flowing fair hair falling to the ground, she told him to kiss the nearest stone he came across and everything he spoke from that moment onwards would be perfect. He did just that and he kissed that stone and he went to the English court and spoke with such eloquence and such composure that he confused the whole proceeding and was able to get permission to build his castle. Even Queen Elizabeth at the time said everything he said was utter blarney. But Cormac McCarthy paid tribute to Cleona by taking that stone and sticking it up high on top of the castle and kissing it from time to time whenever he needed the gift of the gab. And so it is for anyone who wanders up those stone steps, leans back down across the Blarney Castle and kisses that stone that Cleona had marked. They may not know it, but they are celebrating the eternal goddess Cleona. And if you ever wander to Glandor, on the south coast of Ireland, they say you can still hear her wave washing on shore just count the ninth wave to be sure you've heard Tun Clean. This podcast was produced and edited by Ushin Ryan and Rory O'Shea You can find more about us on our website candletales.ie And we are on all the social medias so like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Candlelit Tales or send us a message to get on our mailing list. For more of our videos and live streams, like and subscribe to our channel on YouTube, which also now has a Candlelit Tales for Kids playlist. Hashtag Tales. Liking and subscribing to our channels really helps us grow and get to more people. And if you're able to give us more direct support, you can chip in a few bob at patreon.com forward slash Tales, or make a one-time donation through the PayPal button on our website. We also do really love to hear back from you guys. So if you have any questions or requests, please feel free to contact us directly or leave a question in the comment section below. Because what we're trying to do is just get these stories out there and share them with as many people as possible and ask you to tell them as well. Anything you can do to help us out is hugely appreciated. And we especially appreciate you listening. You.